Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Forrester CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, your host, joined uh, this week by Vice President and Research Director Harley Manning. Hello, Harley. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back. And we are talking with Harley about his recent report. Uh, it's also been a uh, speech at our uh, London Forum. You, so you might have seen or heard Harley deliver this content before. Uh, but the report is called Customer Experience Drives Revenue Growth in Europe 2. And it, the two is because Harley wrote about this topic in the U.S., or is it North America? Uh, it was just the U.S. US in, the U, in the U.S., and we actually had Harley on the CX cast to talk about that report. Uh, that was episode 19, uh, if you want to go back and check that out. And what we wanted to talk today uh, to Harley about was uh, the relationship between customer experience and revenue growth in Europe. And so I think the title gives us some indication that there's some relationship here in Europe as well. But I'm wondering if you can start by um, by maybe highlighting were there any differences between that relationship in the U.S. and in the earlier report and what you found in Europe? Yeah, yeah, good point. I'm sorry. I'm still I'm still pondering over the fact that I gave away the punchline in the title of the report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, careless of me. But um, no, saved our readers some time, I guess. Exactly, exactly. In case you were wondering, so. Um, <laughs> So the yeah the re- the report was essentially trying to see if the patterns that we found in the U.S. held because we developed a framework uh, that explained what we found and and what we found basically was that um, customer experience drives revenue growth uh, when customers are free to move among providers and there's a significant difference uh, among the customer experience of the providers so. Um, you know, if you're if you're trapped, if if you're, for instance, living in downtown Boston and there's one cable provider, your choices are take it or leave it. So you're right. not free to move. So it really doesn't matter if you like them or hate them, you're stuck. Um, and so what we found was that in industries where you can, in fact, move around and there was a lot of difference uh, among the uh, providers that people, in fact, did that. So, for instance, with the online retailers, you know, no barriers to moving, lots of difference between them. Same thing for investment firms. Uh, And so we were very curious, would we see this in Europe too? Because, uh, you know, in some respect, there is no Europe. There are a bunch of different countries. You know, it's like a German and a Frenchman are very different people. Right. And um, so uh, we we actually zeroed in for purposes of this report on two countries where we had uh, big sample sizes from our customer experience index, which we've had in Europe now for a couple of years. And so we were able to pick out leaders and laggards and see over a period of time whether or not, in fact, the customer experience leader outperformed the customer experience laggard. And in fact, we did see that pattern. Um, so we, we picked industries where we knew that there was a lot of freedom of movement. Um, we picked um, uh, what we would call a cable company here. They don't normally use that term over there. They talk about internet and TV subscription uh, mm-hmm. providers. Uh, we picked a couple of traditional retailers, and then uh, in Germany, we picked a couple of consumer banks. Great. So, um, do you would you, um, for just um, explanatory purposes, highlight one of these examples? Just talk through uh, what the differences look like, and in, in both in terms of customer experience uh, scores and in terms of um, revenue growth. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's interesting in in the UK. Um, there's a, quite a bit of competition in the cable market. Mm-hmm. And uh, the company Sky uh, is a leader in both internet uh, subscription provision, you know, broadband, and also TV subscription. And um, 
They actually, it was interesting because in order to uh, make a fair comparison here, we had to tease out just their revenue from those subscriptions as opposed to uh, content because they're one of these companies that also uh, creates content and sells it to other cable providers. Right. Uh, but fortunately, they had a super clean annual report and we were able to do a little forensic accounting and we were able to pull out that subscription revenue and do a very apples to apples comparison uh, with a big customer experience laggard a company called Talk Talk. And uh, in fact, it was kind of interesting because I didn't know anything about uh, Talk Talk uh, when we started this research other than that they had gotten a very low customer experience index <laughs> score compared to Sky. And so it's one of these things where, you know, it wasn't even close. It was like a really big gap. Yeah. And so, uh, but, you know, as part of the, the due diligence and the research, I actually um, was looking at Talk Talk and things that had been written about it and, you know, its website and offerings and such. And discovered that they had had a couple of uh, big security breaches. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it was interesting because the, one, of the, one of the security breaches happened about a month before I did this speech in London. And um, so security breach is a bad experience, but it wasn't really that so much that created the bad experience. It was how Talk Talk uh, reacted to it. So their, their CEO, uh, Dido Harding, uh, put out a, a video on YouTube that <laughs> it was – it essentially, what, what, what she said was, uh, look, uh, you probably didn't get any information stolen that was going to result in you getting hacked, even though your personal information was stolen. <laughs> uh, but if you can prove to us that you were hacked and money was stolen from you, and you can prove that it wasn't because of your own negligence, then on a case-by-case <laughs> basis, our offer to you is we'll consider letting you cancel this service without charging you a cancellation fee. <laughs> This was not a parody video, are no, you sure? No, no, it was not. It was, it was, it was, oh my God. Uh, yeah, so exactly. So she put this out. The, the video after my speech, I, I don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but the video disappeared offline. Fortunately, we have a copy of it. It's on YouTube. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, I, I played it at the, uh, at the speech and the, the audience died, you know, yeah. because uh, this is just absolutely the wrong way to, react to something like that. And this is, this is very characteristic, apparently, of how TalkTalk operates. Wow. So, um, so anyway, so they had a very bad experience, and, and it, it showed up in their, in their revenue numbers compared to uh, Sky. Yeah. Uh, it's striking to me because, you know, that kind of behavior, they almost sound like they're in a industry where their customers wouldn't be free to move. It's like, yeah, you know, something bad happened, maybe. Uh, if you can prove it happened to you, we might consider maybe letting you get out of your contract. It's it's like, you know, you have competition here. You you, you need to handle this a little bit a uh, little bit differently. Well, good. I'm I'm glad that they are in a uh, competitive market and so they can be punished by their customers for um, such a uh, lack of consideration for their pr- private information. Yeah, it, 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 you, well, you, uh, you said something I thought was important. I mean, the, the, the competition in this industry in the UK is if in any, if, in, if anything, it is more um, intense than it is here. People have more options. If I was looking yeah. at zip codes and, uh, you know, looking at what kind of cable options people have and what kind of TV options they have. And, you know, typically people seem to have two, three options, especially in the more desirable areas. So, yeah, I was kind of surprised. But, you know, when we, when we ran the numbers and we did the compound annual growth rate on the revenue for the two companies uh, from 2010 to 2014, um, Sky's revenue uh, growth was about 10 times talk talks. And the same thing on their customer growth. So mm. it's it's pretty clear that Sky is actually acquiring customers and getting more revenue from the customers 
and Talk Talk isn't. And in fact, I used um, very uh, conservative accounting procedures in looking at Talk Talk. Um, you know, procedures essentially that were favorable to Talk Talk because Talk Talk had also acquired some customers from right. some other uh, cable companies that had essentially gotten out of the business and uh, given the customers over to Talk Talk. And so um, I was I gave Talk Talk every benefit of the doubt in subtracting those customers from their base. If I had been even moderate as opposed to conservative in terms of subtracting those customers, they Talk Talk looked like they were at best flat. I mean right. they, they barely grew, but they looked that they were at it would have been, you know, flat, maybe actually lost customers during that period. So it's just it's it's not working for them. So it makes me wonder why they why they keep doing it the way they're doing it. Right, right. So um, talk to me about, you know, you, you've got the these two variables that are critical to this, right? That customers' freedom to switch providers mm-hmm. and there being any, you know, daylight between different providers, right? That you can switch and go to someone with a better customer experience. Yep. Um, so depending on the answers to those questions, what, what do you recommend to companies that they should do if they fall into you know, an industry that has, uh, you know, freedom of movement, but not much differentiation versus if they fall into an industry with freedom of movement and lots of differentiation or, you know, limited movement and, you know, uh, differentiation. Yeah. And, and that, that actually is the key question is, you know, this, all this information and analysis is interesting and potentially useful, but it, it doesn't, doesn't become super useful until you decide what to do with it. Right. Um, so uh, there is actually a lot you can do with this. So if you find yourself in an industry where you are um, you're, you're you're catering to customers who can easily leave you for a competitor, yes, but they're not doing it based on customer experience, uh, you might want to consider. In fact, you probably should consider uh, being that 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 company that breaks from the pack and that has a much better customer experience. I mean, this is an opportunity to differentiate. Everybody's just sort of right. hanging around at parity. Maybe you can break from the pack. If you can break from the pack, then you can absolutely steal away customers from your competitors. We, we know that customer experience drives loyalty. We, we know um, that it drives um, your ability to keep your customers, your ability to sell more to them, and your ability to get a recommendation from your current customers, which then helps you acquire more customers. So we know these things happen. And so right. if you do differentiate your customer experience, you should be able to steal customers from your competitors and keep your customers from uh, stealing your customers. So that's that's sort of one of those, yes, go for it uh, moments when you realize, wow, you know, customers could switch based on customer experience, but we haven't given them a reason to switch. Let's give them a reason and steal our competitors' customers. Right. Good. I like that. Um, I, I'm just wondering, you know, if you, if you look at an industry um, – I look at maybe hotels in the mm-hmm. states pops to mind where yep. it's not differentiated. There's I would say there's freedom of movement, right? Because there's a lot of different options. But your you know if your courtyard or your Hampton Inn, a um, few other mid price chains like that that are probably pretty close to each other, they're all around the same CX index score more mm-hmm. or less. Yep. Is it possible? But they're, and they're all pretty high in terms of scores, right? Um, they could they could be higher. What's interesting is that the with the new CX index methodology. Uh, we factor in the ability of customer experience to drive loyalty. And even though the sort of absolute experience of a good hotel is high, um, it doesn't drive as much loyalty as, for instance, um, with online retailers. And I, and I think 
part of the reason is what you pointed out, which is that their scores are kind of kind of similar. Right. Uh, and another reason might might simply be that there are some artificial barriers to switching a few of them. For instance, if you you know part of a loyalty club, right. or if there's a particular um, city that you go to. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't. It, it's um, it's interesting. I mean, I'd love to do an analysis, this kind of analysis of hotels. The bigger issue, frankly, with with hotels and doing this analysis with them, is that um, they're almost all owned by different holding companies. Right. And so you just can't tease out that revenue uh, uh, from them for a particular brand, like a, one Starwood brand versus another. You just get Starwood. Right. Yeah. I guess the question I was going to ask, though, is if you're, you know, if you're in an industry where people are at parity and the scores are relatively low, mm-hmm. I can see the breakout of the pack strategy. I'm wondering if it would still apply. You know, if you're Courtyard by Marriott, is there still potentially, does it make sense to try and break out of the pack if suddenly your experience is differentiated from your competitors, might that, you know, push their scores down because suddenly you've reset expectations in that category. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I, I think, you know, if if you um, if you differentiate through customer experience, and, and you certainly don't have to. I mean, you, you might very well make a business decision yep. to just be at parity with everybody else and differentiate based on something else, you know, better location or lower rates or, you know, better loyalty program, whatever. So you, you could do that. And that's, that's just a business choice. But if you do want to differentiate with customer experience, the thing is you want to do it in a way that's not going to be so easy to copy. You don't want to yes. just add a bunch of features. You know, in fact, you you wrote a case study on um, Hampton, right? Right. They they tried they tried that strategy and found it didn't work in terms of differentiating. And so then that was what sort of brought them to well, we've got to change the culture in the hotel so we have this great guest experience. Exactly. So just having a whole bunch of in that particular example, just having a whole bunch of um, features, new features. That worked for what a year, and then their right. competitors at most, all, yeah, yeah, and their, their competitors had all copied those features. So, uh, if you need to figure out something that is going to uh, be very tied to your brand, so it's not quite so easy to copy, mm-hmm. and that's going to create more of a long-lasting change. So, uh, transforming your culture um, is one one of those important things that you can do. Also, if you have a slightly different strategy, maybe you're going to differ, you know, d- deliver some kind of a differentiated experience. You know, W, for example. You know, right. The W hotels are unlike other hotels. And uh, they're not going to be the favorite of everybody, but for that particular market that they target, everything is designed to go after those young, urban, uh, more happening types of, you know, p- people who are much more hip than I am. <laughs> By the words you're using, I can tell you might yeah. not be in their target audience. I, I, I'm not either, to be fair. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not. I, and, and again, to be fair, you know, I do enjoy staying at a W, but I always feel just a little bit like I exactly. checked into the wrong hotel. Right, yeah, right. But, but, but that's Would fine. Would someone turn the lights up, please? <laughs> right, because they, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not going after me. You know, right. if, they, if they get me, it's because you know, I looked at three options in that area, and that was the one that was the, was the best fit. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, but that's, that's, you know, if you pick – so that's one of the strategies that we – one of the other strategies we recommend is to dominate a segment. Yeah. You know, it's to essentially say, look, you know, we're going to do what W did and we're going to pick a particular market and we're going to understand them so well and we're going to serve them so well and we're going to just have all the stuff that they want and we're going to relentlessly say no to the kind of stuff that they don't like or would make them say, yeah, this really isn't my place. And you can basically own that market segment. And, right. Uh, we saw in the, in the previous report, we saw that with um, Edward uh, Jones in financial services yeah. where – 
you know, they're targeting people who don't want to do a lot of online, in fact, virtually any online financial management. They want face-to-face interactions with their customers, and that's what Edward Jones gives them, and they understand that really, really well. Yeah. That's great. Um, okay, well, I, I want to leave it there because I want to. There's a lot more in the report, but I want uh, people to go take a look. There's some great uh, data in there. Uh, more recommendations about if you're in a different uh, in- industry or market dynamic, what you should do about it. Um, and check out customer experience drives revenue growth in Europe too. This is the companion report to uh, the one that Harley wrote earlier this year. Does customer experience really drive business success? And um, if you want to hear Harley talk about that original report, it's a good companion piece to this episode. That was episode 19 of CXCast, uh, and both reports are live on Forrester.com. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in again. Thank you, Harley, for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's CXCast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in the show notes for this podcast. And if you have questions or suggestions, please contact me at s-s-t-e-r-n at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality. <laughs> <laughs>